I went to uh, two periods of unemployment, and uh, I remember my first round of unemployment, uh, which was in 08, uh, after having a job for 13 years. Um, that hit me like a ton of bricks. The first day I woke up, I had nowhere to go. I did not know how to deal with that. And I will tell you that I have learned my identity and who I was, uh, the titles that I carried, um, the money that I made, really don't matter at all to me. And uh, my identity is in Christ. This last round of unemployment was so different because I just knew he was up to something again. I interviewed with so many companies. I was in the last round, second to the last round. And so many highs and lows, but every, every interview that I had, I'm always you know, asking God, hey, I'm here. You know, whatever you want to do, uh, whoever you want to speak to, however you want to use me. So uh, this one, we just started talking, and uh, 15 minutes into the interview, he was just going through my resume, and he got to that first part of unemployment. And uh, he said, so you worked somewhere for 13 years, and then you were unemployed. What was that like? And like within a second, I just said, it was a blessing. And he looked at me, he said, 17 years I've been doing this. I've never heard unemployment called, anyone call unemployment a blessing. Can you just tell me a little bit about what made it a blessing? And, and I'll tell you, in my mind, I started thinking, do I really want to share my faith with this guy? I'm on an interview. How about if I offend him? How about if I say something that's not right and we're done with this interview or, or whatever? And I decided to, instead of sugarcoat it and just give you know, your everyday response, I ended up uh, sharing my testimony, how I went to church, you know, that I went to celebrate recovery, that I've been involved in ministries, that I do youth ministry right now. And uh, we just started talking through the rest of my resume. And he said he'd give me a call. And ended up a week later, he gave me a call and offered me the job. He was honest when he offered me the job to tell me that uh, I kind of freaked him out when, you know, I just automatically just come out with my faith. We, uh, we talk. He'll always ask me how I'm doing. And I'll be like, hey, you know, this is good. That's, that's all right. Or, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling kind of frustrated. And his line to me is, God has you here. Oh, every time he says that, I can't deny it. How can I question that I'm not where God wants me? <laughs> God has you here. How can I question that I'm where God wants me? You know, that's Jesse from our 95th Street campus. And here's a man who believes to the core of his being that God and his work life need to come together. Even the seeking of uh, a job was one that he followed the Lord, said, Lord, what do you have planned? The conducting of the interview, Lord, what do you have planned? As he continues on, now his boss is reminding him, you're right where God wants you. Folks, is that your life? Is your spiritual life and your work life one so we're going to be talking about, and specifically that, that phrase that Jesse made about uh, his boss saying, God has you right where he wants you. The sense of call that God's called me to my job is something we're going to unpack 
as we uh, continue this series and this particular study. Folks, the series is called Thank God It's Monday. Usually we say, Thank God It's Friday. I can't stand work. I'm glad it's over. But are you there yet? Have you embraced the vision of God and integrated it so well that increasingly you can say, Thank God It's Monday? Some of you are like, I'm there. Others of you, not even close, so let's keep working towards it. Hey, I want to begin this particular message by doing a little experiment, a problem, like an elementary school problem. I want to play the game uh, uh, Associated Objects. Remember those, those questions when you were a kid in school? They'd say, circle the objects that go together. Uh, remember, I was amazingly gifted at those kinds of questions. I just had a knack for them. You know, I, I'd see six objects and I'd notice snorkels and a mask and fins. And, you know, that would have confused you, but I got it immediately. And I said, yeah, those three go together. And so being as skilled as I am in that, I was hoping there was a college major on associated objects, but turns out there's not. But we're going we're gonna to play the game Nonetheless, are you ready? I have six objects in the box, and I want you to figure out which three of these six go together. First is one of these. This is a communion tray that we serve the little communion things on, all right? So we'll put that there. And this is a construction helmet, all right? We'll, we'll put that there. And, uh, ooh, I have some, a very classy, shiny uh, figurine of praying hands. You know, pastors decorate their house with spiritual things like that. And uh, I have an iron. You ever iron clothes before? That's what you use. And let's see here. We got a baseball mitt. Huh? Go Cubs. Right there. And uh, what else we got? I, I swiped my wife's Bible. She's got a good, big one, leather, very nice. And so let's, let's put uh, that stuff there. What, what goes together? What do you think? Uh, here, I'm going to guess what you think. I mean, you can tell me if I'm right. Some of you, when you, you look at these three, you say, you know, the three that go together, clearly three of them are very churchy. Very God-oriented. The communion tray, very God-oriented, right? And the Bible, yeah, very, very... And then the praying hands, uh, not the helmet. Let's move that over here, and let's arrange them like this. Uh, if, If you put together these three spiritual things as the three that go together, would you raise your hand? Yeah, most of you did. Uh, you know what the world would call these, as far as putting um, labels on it, we call this the sacred. Sacred, the word, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's, uh, it means those things pertaining to God. God things, right? And the word that's used of this stuff is secular. And it's interesting, if you look up secular, In the dictionary, it's like worldly, and it even uses the contrast. It says, those things not pertaining to religion or God. Isn't that interesting? And a lot of times, when when we look at our lives, we'll say, you know, my prayer, when I pray, that's sacred. 
And when I worship and celebrate communion, that's sacred. When I read the Bible, maybe my small group, that's all sacred stuff. But then most of my time is spent on the job, you know, which is a worldly, secular pursuit, and and then uh, domestic affairs, you know, when I'm at home doing family chores and stuff, and leisure and recreation. Those are the things God's not interested in. And what we've got in our minds is what theologians have called a sacred, secular divide, a wall that exists between the two parts of our lives. And the predominant view is that we jump back and forth between these two worlds. And sometimes we're we're starving spiritually over here. We're like, man, I spend so much time at work and all this other stuff, and I just am hungry for God. And so since God's not here, I got to get over to my time with God, my quiet time of Bible study, my prayer time, church worship. I need to, like a drowning man, come up for air and get some of God because it won't be long before I have to go back to that secular world where God is not. Is this, is this biblical? And the answer is no. It's popular. It's, it's how people view things, and it's probably how we view things, even though we, want, we don't want to view it that way. It's just kind of the way we, we see things. But it's not biblical. You know, this topic that we're talking about in this series is our work life. And the question is, is work secular? Is it not a God thing? And what we're learning as we study Colossians 3 is that to our surprise, God, yes, God's into prayer and worship and Bible study, but to our surprise, God is into all of life. We've been looking at Colossians 3, 22 and following. Is if you backtrack just a little bit to Colossians 3.17, we're no longer in the work section, but there it says, whatever you do, do it unto the name of Jesus Christ. All of life is to be offered to the Lord as a gift of worship to him. It's all sacred in God's eyes. That's one of the shocking takeaways of this particular study. Last week we learned, maybe to our amazement, you know, some of us thought that work was a punishment from sin. You know, when man, Adam and Eve rebelled, God said, go sweat and labor and you're going to have a pulled muscle in your back, you know, and it's going to be what you deserve, you know. And we discovered that no, the work is marred by the fall, spiritual rebellion. It was created before the fall. It's part of God's perfect plan. God says, work is to be a beautiful creation of mine where you reflect my image. God says, I'm a worker and I want to fill your days with challenging, meaningful activity that demands the best of you and makes the world a better place. Remember, God created the world, some assembly required, so that we could labor towards the perfection, uh, uh, the the perfecting of this world and serve and bless society and people. So with that review and with this dichotomy set in place, it's time for us to return to our study of Colossians 3. And so now I want to go to uh, verse 23. Verse 23, at least the first half of it, is what we uh, 
studied last week, but the verse did not end where we ended it. So let's continue. I'm starting again in verse 23. If you want to grab the Bible in the back of the CPEC, you'll find the passage on page 1184. 1184. Paul, you know, carried by the Holy Spirit, says these words. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're actually serving. Isn't this an interesting passage? Folks, uh, what, what we've got here is God essentially saying, you know, you've been viewing yourself as working for your boss. You know who you're really working for? If you're a Christian, if you have an integrated work theology, you're actually working for the Lord. It's Christ Jesus that you're serving. Isn't that fascinating? I want to actually take four takeaways from this passage, four points on how our work life and our God life need to come together, how God is a part of work. You ready? The first is this. Your work matters to God. Your work. You say, yeah, Jeff, you can say that because your work, you're a pastor. You do all kinds of spiritual things. My job is on the sacred side. And you'd say, of course, your work matters to God, but what about mine? And I'm here to tell you, your work matters to God more than you realize. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter what job you have. You are to do it for God. And God says, I want to be a part of it. I want to be your boss. I want to be your rewarder for your faithful labor. God says, your work reflects my image. It's part of my perfect creation. I've called you to it. It matters. And it's important for you to know that. I will confess that I didn't fully understand how much God cares about secular labor when I was a younger man. Uh, This is a confession. It's not pretty. I'll just warn you. Your respect for me is about to go down. But it will make the point, all right? And so when I was a college student, um, I was planning on being a doctor. I was studying pre-med. I graduated with a biology major. But at the end of college, God called me to be a pastor. In fact, we pastors use the word calling quite a bit. Uh, We're strange And so when we get together, if you could eavesdrop, you'd say, tell me about your calling. And that's very common language. And we would understand the question and we'd say, oh, we'd describe that moment when we knew God was calling us to be a pastor. In fact, I'll tell you mine. I'll show you a picture of where I received my calling. Here is a stairwell at Wheaton College, Pierce Chapel, upper balcony. I had been to a Sunday night service there and God had spoken to me and my heart was in angst. And as I descended these stairs out of that service, I I mean, I can point to the spot. My hand was in the middle of that rail right there when I suddenly said, I know God wants me to be a pastor. I've been wrestling with it for months. I'm not wrestling anymore. I surrender. I know what you want, Lord. And I was called. I told my 
buddies. All of my friends were pre-med, you know, having had all these classes with them. All of them, too, were studying to be doctors. And I said, guys, you're not going to believe this, but I'm not going to be a doctor. God's called me to be a pastor. And here's where the confession comes in. I had an air of superiority in my calling. I looked at my buddies who were Christians, who loved Jesus with abandon and who were committed to being doctors for the Lord. And I said, well, that's nice. Somebody's got to be a doctor, but I have a higher calling. I have been called to serve the Lord in ministry, pastoral ministry. And I, I wouldn't not deny that their jobs are important, maybe even important to God, but clearly not as important as my own. And I wouldn't deny that God loves them. Of course the Lord loves you, just not quite as much as he loves me, because I'm going to be a pastor. And I would never have said it. I knew that would have been arrogant, but I'm confessing it was in there. Because I viewed somehow, because of this calling, I was more important than they. Well, upon studying this passage and learning God's heart on the matter, I'm learning, let's go back to the passage, I'm learning that all work matters to God. In fact, all people are called by God to their work. Here's a little something you may not know, and that is that one of the words we use for our career or our jobs is our vocation. You take vocational training, vocational classes. The word vocation is Latin, and it means calling. The term vocation came to use in the Protestant Reformation when they were learning that all labor is sacred, that all people are called by God to their job. And it's all a calling. Yes, as a pastor, when I discovered God wanted me to be a pastor, I was called. No, don't deny it. And that when the Lord calls and I obey, it is beautiful. But do you know, you were called as well. And as God spoke or moved in your life, as you followed his guiding to the career path that you have, you should realize you've been called. And whether you're a doctor for Jesus or a pastor for Jesus, it's all sacred. It doesn't matter what you do. You too have been called by God. It is interesting. Martin Luther, the, the guy who kind of began the whole Protestant Reformation, has this quote. He said, the milkmaid has a, as honorable a calling as the preacher. <laughs> I didn't know, first, I didn't know what a milkmaid was, and I, I'm a city boy. I discovered that it's a gal, a girl, a woman who works on a farm milking cows. And Luther says, her calling is as honorable as the preacher. I don't know about that. Martin Luther, but he's right. It's all sacred. God chooses. It's our job to obey, to do it with all our heart as unto the Lord. And when a farmer does it, in obedience to the Lord with all of his heart as unto the Lord, and a preacher does it with all of his heart in obedience to God's call as unto the Lord. They're both equally sacred to God. Your work, your secular work, 
is holy. You've been called to it. God says it reflects his image. It's part of his creation plan that you would contribute to society and bless people through faithfully laboring in your vocation, your calling. Isn't that interesting? It's all sacred. Second thing that I would draw from this passage is that we work for God, or we should be working for God. Did you notice that in the passage? It says it twice. Uh, Work with all of your heart as working for who? For the Lord, not for your human master. And it says it again. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Isn't that interesting? God says, who, who, who are you working for? And if you name your employer, that's who I'm working for, the Lord says, you have a poorly integrated work theology. If you understand my plan, God says, you'll recognize that yes, in one sense you work for your employer, but in the higher sense, you work for me. God, in a sense, is saying, tell you what, would you mind making your work life a labor of love for me? I, I, I'm passionate about your work, God says. Uh, it reflects my image. It's part of my created design. And so, therefore, would you do it for me? And folks, when we say, yeah, Lord, I'll do it for you. I will work for you. Our work becomes worship. Did you know that? At worship, sometimes we oversimplify worship to be singing songs to God. And that is worship, but that's not all of what worship is. In fact, worship is any time through word or deed we say, Lord, I will follow you. I will give my life to you in obedience to your leadership. So on the job site, if we recognize God's called me to work, and I'm going to obey him, and I'm going to do it with all my heart, and I'm going to dedicate it to him, work becomes worship. And you worship on Sunday in song. And you worship on Monday through work. In fact, if, men, if, if your wife calls you and says, are you still at work? You can say, well, I am. Technically, I'm worshiping. And if you'd like me to stop, I will. You know? <laughs> Try that one. Mm. Actually, maybe not. Uh, the truth is, overwork is a problem. Sometimes... God is worshipped when we obey him and go home. (laughs) Uh, It's all about obedience. And say, Lord, I will work hard when you call me to, and I will leave work when you call me to. And it's all worship to you. Folks, uh, it's so important to realize that that we got to work for God. We, We need to infuse significance and passion into our work life by making it worship and say, Lord, I had a great day worshiping you yesterday at church, and now I'm at work, and it's all for you. Receive it as worship, and he will. All right, one more. God is at work. Here's another takeaway I have. One of the dangers of the sacred-secular divide that we have is that we view certain places as places that God is and other places as places God isn't. You know what I mean? Uh, with, when it comes to church-related stuff, we, we say, oh, there are sacred places like church God is here. And, and others like seminary and the cemetery and... Uh, you know, chapels of various sorts. Those are sacred grounds where God is. But at the office, at the factory where profanity is going everywhere, this is not a God place. 
That's evidence that the sacred secular divide still operates in your life because God says, I am everywhere. Look in this verse. We find in the verse God saying, you know, I know you when you go to work, you feel it's not about me. I want it to be about me. I want to be your boss. Just as your boss is present observing you, I'm present observing you. Just as your boss rewards you, the passage says, God says, I see your well done labor and will reward you. God's there. He's there. And so this whole, I experience God at church, but I don't experience God's presence at work. That's a evidence of the dichotomy still living in your heart. I'm not judgmental in this. I still have this sacred place, secular place. God is here. I still have that. You know, I saw it last week when I went out to lunch with my parents. We went to a restaurant in Wheaton called the Ivy. Here's a picture of the Ivy. This real nice restaurant. And I'm looking around. I had never been there before. And I'm like, what is going on? And I asked the waiter. I go, what's with the stained glass and the image of Jesus and the arches and everything? And he said, well, this used to be a chapel. A hundred years ago, this was a funeral home. And they created this gorgeous chapel for people to worship in. And he said, we bought it and turned it into a restaurant. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. This is weird, awkward. You know, I'm, I'm eating and laughing and this. And the, the tension in my heart, the awkwardness in my heart, is evidence that I still live with that sacred-secular divide. I still say, there are God places where God is. And when I'm out laughing and eating, that's not a God thing. It is. It's all. The Lord's presence is everywhere. And what makes a place sacred is our recognition of his presence. And so to say, this is great. The architecture reminds me, Lord, that you're here as well. Uh, Maybe you could ask your boss to turn your factory into a cathedral, which would remind you, probably not going to happen, but be reminded that God's presence is there. In fact, what makes work a blast is doing it with God, to recognize that he's with you and that you can talk with him and laugh with him and lean on him and follow his voice and nudging. And your work day can be a sacred journey with God and for God. And that's what makes work extraordinary. So going back to our passage, work matters to God. Secular work matters to God. We work for him. He's our boss. We work with him. He's with us on the job site. And lastly, help me. Thank you. God delights in diligence. Here's another takeaway from this. When we work with all of our heart, the passage says, God will reward us. It says, since you are working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you, here it is, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. God rewards diligent labor at secular job sites. That's 
Shocking. I knew that God rewarded us. I knew that in heaven we'll get an inheritance. Exactly what our inheritance is and all the forms that will take place have not been revealed, but it'll be awesome when we get to heaven. But I kind of thought that God rewards us for our service at church. In fact, the last series, Mighty Men, we talked about the Bema judgment seat where God will reward faithful service at church. And I thought God rewards when we give generously to God's cause. And God does reward those things. But what this verse is telling us is that God will reward your wholehearted work on the job. Isn't that fascinating? God says, I'm watching. And when you serve with all of your heart and when you do it unto me as worship, the Lord says, I am so excited to reward you for it. And maybe that's a discovery for you. It was for me. God's heart is observing and bursting with delight in your diligence at work. Now, though we have to wait for the actual inheritance and the reward, we can bask in God's delight today. This verse teaches us that when you look to the Lord at the end of a hard day of work and you say, Lord, what do you think? He is like, yes, man, you reflected my glory. You, you, you poured your heart into it. You served me and offered it to me. And I want to say, well done. God is smiling on you because of your hard work on the job. You know, I, I talk a lot about basking in God's smile. I think the love and the affirmation of our Heavenly Father is one of the greatest realities on planet Earth. And occasionally I'll have people who say, Jeff, I know he's smiling at you. I don't know he's smiling at me. You're a pastor. You know, you spend almost all the time on this side of things doing holy things. So, of course, God's smiling on you. I'm only in the sacred realm a few hours a week compared to the majority of my time, which is secular. And so God doesn't smile on me nearly as much. Boy, you're right. If you don't realize that this stuff matters to God, then you're right. You're only basking in his delight a little bit of the time. But if you realize that this divide is false, it's not true, that God's in this and God's in this and God smiles on this and God smiles on this, you can start to bask in the delight of the Lord all the time. I had a little uh, practice of this just this week. I, I, uh, I had to keep my kids alive. Uh, my wife left for three days to go to a women's Christian conference, and she entrusted their well-being to me. <laughs> she returned last night. Thankfully, I, I made it. Uh, a lot of fast food, but I made it. Uh, and it was interesting. For those three days, I found myself trying to be a pastor and you know, do all of the home-related stuff as well. And it was kind of a strange week. I bounced back and forth quite a bit between the different worlds. I'd spend some hours studying the Bible in preparation for 
this sermon, and then I'd turn and I'd have to do laundry, and I'm, you know, putting laundry and pulling it out and, you know, sorting different colors and everything. And then I'd go back and I'd start writing my sermon, composing theological truths, you know. And then I'd come over here and I'd be packing a lunch for my kids, you know, and doing all that. And then I'd be counseling people in the ways of Jesus. And then I'd be over here cleaning counters and washing dishes and various things. I was tempted early on to feel the, oh, the Lord loves me when I'm doing these things over here. And the, I just got to get this done because my wife's out of town. And Is that the way it is? Very quickly I realized, no, no, no. The Lord set this up. Jen's gone for a reason. It is so that I can live in both worlds and feel him in both worlds and recognize that am I called to write this sermon and minister to these people? Yes. But I am, at least for three days, <laughs> called to these tasks by God every bit as much. Do I worship him when I do these things? Yes. But as I fold that laundry... As I clean those dishes, as I make those lunches, that is God's calling and it's sacred unto him. And so one of the things I practiced was, Lord, I feel your smile because I'm writing my sermon. And Lord, I feel your smile because I'm loading the clothes washing machine. And Lord, you're smiling on me here and you're smiling on me here. It's all sacred. It's all a sacred journey. It's all worship to you. And I was able to enjoy the equality of the various areas of life. Folks, this, uh, this sacred-secular divide, this wall is unbiblical and robbing us of the sacred significance of what we're doing. It's not helpful. And we need to realize that God's saying, get rid of it. Tear it apart. It, it's all there. There's nothing really that's secular. It's all sacred. God says, I created it all. I, I indwell in it all. I call you, even leisure. Uh, God created leisure for our enjoyment. He's calling you to be a Cubs fan. And God wants all of it to be a reflection of his plan obedience to his call, and worship unto him. And this divide where we have our two worlds, it's, it's cultural, it's unbiblical, and it's destructive. We need to get rid of this wall. You impressed, huh? <laughs> Jiu-jitsu. Uh, didn't even hurt. We need to say, Lord, I used to live that way. No more. Let's pray. God, forgive us. We, we, we messed up. We were viewing part of your creation as sacred. And another part is, if you didn't care about it, and we, we read in your word and studied, that's not the case. Change the way we see our lives, God. Help us to recognize that it's all sacred to you. As we transition from Sunday to Monday, May our worship continue to rise. May your presence continue to be recognized. And may you continue to be delighting in what we do for you. God, we want to feel your smile. We want to recognize we're walking in your ways today and tomorrow at work. 
we want to feel your smile as well. Help us, God, to get rid of that sacred, secular divide. Help us not to think that way anymore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.